Tonight's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. This is the word of the Lord. About eight or nine years ago, um, Jill and I helped lead um, at a body in West Knoxville, a church body in West Knoxville. We helped lead the uh, youth programs. And every year um, in August, I think it was, we would have a meeting to kind of go over the next year because we would uh, set themes and speak from those themes. We had a teen worship that met on Wednesday nights. And uh, we were going to duplicate the theme for the coming year. And so that gave us some time, that particular meeting, to plan a little bit about decorating the room. And what we had done... Um, the theme that we were using, hello, was, uh, had to do with uh, having a bus picture in the front of the room. And so when you kind of looked at this bus picture, the windshield was like with the words for the songs. And then whoever was speaking that night was like the bus driver, right? So in this planning meeting, since we didn't have to go over a theme and we kind of knew where some of that was going to go, I had the idea, I was like, man, I, I want to go get a real bus. I'm going to go find a front of a bus and we'll bring it into the room and, and use it as part of the decoration. Uh, Jill reminded me today, I did not know this, that she doubted that, uh, that this might happen. She said, I remember going, where are you going to find a bus? All I remember is a guy named James Hemrick. Remember James and Angela, right? And James goes, man, where are you going to get a bus? He was just like incredulous. So James is an office worker. He's kind of like Lawrence over here. He don't know what's going on in the real world half time because he's in an office somewhere, right? <laughs> Professional is what Lawrence calls it, right? So I'm like, man, I'll go find a bus. So that is kind of how, leaving out some details, about noon the next day on a hot August afternoon, I was at Lambert's Junkyard, uh, Clinton Highway, uh, way north Clinton Highway. Uh, I'd called and a guy named Brian had said, bus, we need a bus for. And I said, well, man, I just, you know, I, I just need one. I didn't really explain it. And he said, yeah, I got one that might be of you, so you come on out. And I got out there, so I'm standing on this hot August afternoon, about to be ready to roll back out of there because I didn't think it was going anywhere, right? I've been looking at buses all day, I hadn't found anything. I was looking for a school bus, right there, school buses, surely. And he's busy doing stuff, and there's noise, and cars moving, and finally he, he gets free, and he goes, what do you want? And I said, well, I'm Scott. Yeah, oh, yeah, we talked on the phone. And he says, you're looking for a bus, right? And I'm like, yeah, man, I need a bus. He goes, come on. He starts walking away on Grace. So we're trouncing up through Lambert's junkyard, and he gets up there, and he realizes he's too busy. He's got something else to do. And he says, man, just go on up this road and look to the right over the trees, and, and you'll see it. I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, what am I looking for? And I'll never forget this. He looked at me, and I kid you not. He looks at me and he goes, had that little, I don't know if the sun is in his eye. He goes, oh, you'll know it when you see it, right? And he walks away and he's done. And I'm watching him walk away going, seriously? Man, alive. So I, I get up there and I, uh, to where I can look into the trees. And sure enough, there's this white looking bus thing over in the trees, but it's all covered up. So after I jump over an old Honda, get up on top of an old police car, there's these lens covering this thing. And that's exactly how this is going down. I grab this limb I think it was a mosa tree or something like that. And I pull this limb back, and I read the words on the side of this bus. And Brian's words just came back to me in a flash. I knew exactly what bus that I was looking at. 
And so when he said, you'll know it when you see it, yeah, I knew it when I saw it. When I think about this text, and when it talks about that Simeon was led by the Spirit into the temple that day, um, I have to put myself in that place and think about what that would look like um, for me. And I just wonder if how that conversation went down, because in some way it did, right? He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, we're going to look at here in a few minutes, beyond a shadow of a doubt, he knew that he was not going to die until he had seen physically himself the Messiah. How that conversation go down? I just wonder if in God's way, because this is the way God deals with me sometimes, it's not the, this is how it's going to go, or this isn't the, that weird little thing that happened. It's just kind of this quirky little, oh man, you'll know it when you see it. And, and, and Simeon's going, wait a minute, what's it going to look like? Who's it going to be? What, what, do, what do I do? Uh, you'll know it when you see it. And that's all he got. Right? That apparently was enough. Simeon's a unique character. One of my favorite characters in Scripture because there's things about what shows up in just this little one-time view that we get of him that I go, man, I can relate to that. You know, if the Bible's real stories about real people, Simeon's one of those guys that, that understand that, yeah, I, 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 can, I can fit into that. Uh, I've, I've been in his shoes sometimes, but then I also don't understand some stuff about him. Interesting, his name means that he has heard, he who listens. Kind of fitting for a guy that uh, is in a unique place uh, compared to other people that were around him at the time. So let's work through the text just a little bit. Scripture calls him righteous and devout. Basically, he was a good man. Apparently had a reputation for it. Devout, the fact that he was a Jew, and as we see the, the scriptures that get quoted, we're not going to go through them, but he had a pretty well, uh, well-grounded knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures. Probably had Isaiah and some of those others quoted, so we could pull from them at a moment's notice. And that devout thing, we think about going to church and things like that, but if you look at the Jewish culture even today and what a devout Jewish person who is, is in the, the traditions of, the, of their religion and how ritualistic it is and all can that stuff out, you, you would understand when it calls him devout, that's uh, kind of next level for what we think about being devout, right? But he's righteous and devout. Great description. Um, looking for the comfort of his people. Scripture says consolation, but uh, there's something about the Israelite nation that they see themselves as one people before God. And even though we might view ourselves as, hey, we're believers in, in, the, in the Father, you know, we have a relationship with the Son, we have the power of the Spirit living in us. It's a little bit different when you talk to a Jewish person and talk, tell me about what it is to be uh, an Israelite and what that meant. Uh, that's been going on for a long time. It would have been true as well for Simeon here. He was looking for the comfort of his people, not just himself, right? It's also kind of very unique that it says the Holy Spirit was on him. I mean, some of us have read, we've studied, we know what's coming in the book of Acts. We know what the, the prophecies about Joel, that at some point God's going to pour out his spirit on us. But yet there's the, a few characters in Scripture, and Simeon's one of them, where it says the Holy Spirit was on him. What not on everybody else. And that's what's going on. We'll leave that for another time. Let's just say the Holy Spirit was on him. He had help as he was looking for the Messiah. We assume that he's old. I'm not so sure about that. Scripture doesn't tell us that he's old. It's just the fact that there's another character that comes right after him, Anna. She's 84. We think that maybe just because of he's waiting to die, that he was probably old. He probably was. He probably had some age to him. You know, maybe he was just really, really sick. Maybe God said, you know, you're in a bad place. This cancer thing's killing you. You're 50 years old, right? But don't worry. It's not going to get you until you see something that's specifically... We don't know the situation. We assume that he's got some age to him. But we do know this. He's righteous. He's devout. 
He has the Holy Spirit in him, and he's looking, and he's waiting. Moving through the text some more. I'm not so sure that he had started out that day to go to the temple. When it talks about, in particular, well, just looking at it, he came in the Spirit into the temple. So two good ways to look at it. Maybe that's where he was planning to go and the Spirit was just on him. Or maybe, and see, this is where I go, man, this is how it works for me sometimes. He's got plans, he's got places to go, things to do, and he gets to where the temple is, and it's like, I kind of need to go in there. Something's about, God's up to something. You know, I need to go in there. Um, the most succinct, straightforward way that I would say this is something that Doug said about five years ago that has stuck with me. Hold your day loosely. <laughs> right? Here, here's the way it works for me. I'm driving down Broadway, get to the red light at Glenwood and Broadway, and for whatever reason, even though I don't want any coffee, I'd pull into Pierce's coffee shop and have a conversation with him, whether I buy anything or not, right? And at the end of the conversation, there's a, a little bit of an understanding that, yeah, we needed to have that conversation, and then you're just gone. You go out the rest of your day. To, for me, you know, I go, that's how I can relate to Simeon, because stuff like that happens to me. And so when he's maybe just walking by and he goes, that's where it's at, so when he gets up the top of these steps, and it would have been a couple of series of steps that he had to get to, is he, is he looking in the doorway for, for this couple that walks in with this baby? Is he looking for one individual person to come up the steps? I don't know what the setting is. We just know that when he sees them, he knows automatically, right away, immediately, that what he has been looking for, who he has been waiting for, he's found. reason why that... Uh, I knew that bus when I pulled that limb back. <clears throat> it's because back in 1998, I was teaching at uh, William Blount High School. Taught history and geography, that type of thing. And every year then, I'm assuming they still do it now, Roan State Community College down in Roan County has an academic uh, festival or competition or something. I, I wasn't as smart of a teacher, so I didn't go to these things, but whatever. Um, and, and that particular year, uh, the group from William Blount had won it. We had an incredible math and science department, man. They'd get down there and just blister people. And they, they'd always done really well, but they had won it this year. And late that afternoon, as they're coming back, in fact, as they were coming back, the bus that had the first place trophy and the whole deal, for whatever reason, that I, some of us have not even tried to deal into it. And if you were living here in the late 90s, you remember this. Um, bus driver made a U-turn on the interstate. And Mr. Exit made a U-turn. And a tractor-trailer truck broadsided the tour bus, right? Um, killed a teacher, an English teacher named Miss Lane. A uh, student died named Miss, uh, Abby Darden, not Mrs., but Miss Darden. Um, horrific crash. A lot of other injuries, you know, and you can imagine what that did to the school. And, and uh, we were two days from spring break, so that Thursday and Friday, I guess, um, man, we, you know, you can imagine. Obviously, school was shut down. Counselors came in. We're going to homes to visit students. We're going to the hospital to visit students and, and a couple of the teachers that were injured. I mean, it was just one of those things of surreal is the best I can think about it. Sitting with um, about as, half as many people as what's in here as far as the staff, and they brought in some counselors to talk to us, and, and it was just quiet, and people just saying, man, I'm, I'm just tired. You know, the year before, we'd lost three students to just whatever reasons, but, you know, typically teenagers aren't dying on you. And, uh, man, for something like that to happen, that was just tough. And I just remember the, you know, there just wasn't a good way to work through that, you know. And some of us that did live by our faith or did the best we could to do that and were believers and whatever that could get us at that moment, which was something, right? 
you know, we were going to have some conversations and some prayer and, and stuff because there wasn't anybody coming in telling us, you know, hey, you can't pray in school anymore. They were saying, hey, can you all come pray with us? You know, it's kind of that type of thing. Um, and I, for two months, that was, I guess, in late March. I mean, two months was just, we were going through the motions, trying to get the school year over, you know, because, man, this, this was difficult. You know, so I, obviously, when I pulled back that, you know, tree limb and, and read the name of the company and charter tours, I knew exactly what bus that was. Um, yeah, it was kind of tough to deal with. God and I had a little uh, time uh, on the ground that day uh, out at junkyard until I could kind of get back under control. I went and talked to Brian, and what culminated in that was Brian said, you come back and get it anytime you want. It's yours. I'll move the cars. I'll get some electricity out there, and, you, you know, do what you want with it. I'm like, cool. Do you think Simeon was looking for a baby? <laughs> Do you think he had any expectations at all beyond the fact that he would know the Christ, the Messiah, when he saw him? He didn't recognize. He just knew. He was looking for the comfort of a nation, and immediately he sees it in a baby. In verses 28-32, there's this interesting, powerful, and, and just... Scripture says he blessed God with this. You don't see those words a lot together either. How, how do we bless God by things we would say to him? Um, Simeon does that. You know, I wonder if he asked to hold the baby when they came up. It doesn't say that. There's no words exchanged. It's almost like Mary and Joseph walk up and he just takes this baby because he and God are about to have a time and it's centered around this little seven or eight pound, nine pound, you know, piece of living flesh that he knows is way, way, way more than just, just a baby. Maybe Mary and Joseph are getting used to stuff like this happening. Look at the past nine months of their life. Not normal, right? So maybe they're just used to this. Hey, you know, some dude, old or not, you know, shows up, wants the baby. Sure, take him. Um, but, but Simeon uses this word now. Powerful word in this passage. Now I can die in peace. Now your word is completed. Now I see what salvation looks like. Now I know who you what you've been up to and who you've been up to. Now the Gentiles have a light to see you by. Praise God out here, folks, because that's us, right? Now the full glory of your chosen people has a name and a face. One look, one small form held in his arms, and Simeon sees the whole story. Comfort, peace, salvation, redemption. Another sermon I looked at, on this text, the writer said something that I really liked. She said, I wish I had the eyes and faith that Simeon had, the eyes and faith to recognize God's redemption in unlikely bodies. I wish I had the eyes to see God's redeeming work in the world around me and the faith to proclaim it. Simeon was looking and he was waiting. Not in the same way, but in some very similar ways, Man, I think every one of us, we're looking and waiting. In some ways, we're still looking for the Messiah and still waiting on Him as well, right? Scripture talks a lot about a second coming. It talks a lot about that baby Jesus growing up in the full Lord and Savior, who we know, who we saw down on the cross type thing, that He's coming back, that there's more to that story, that it's not quite done, and we live in that time, time that there will be another now coming, right? But then also personally for each of us, there's... You know, Christmas time brings some of that out too. Christmas isn't easy for a lot of people. This Advent of waiting on God, 
God, if this is what my life is and what you've got, I need to look for something else. You've got to bring me more. I'm waiting on some of this stuff to pass out of my life so I can get on with living. And there's all parts in between. I'd, and even, I mean, even as early as this morning, having a discussion with my wife about some stuff, I'd, there's things in me that I know I'd really like to get to a time when they're not there anymore. <laughs> you know? So do you just wait that out? Or do you look and wait and hope that God's true to His Word and He keeps His promises? So we're looking and waiting. We've got a lot of Simeon in us. So what can we learn from Simeon then in our own looking and waiting? Four things. Four ways to live. Live in obedience and action. I don't think Simeon sat and waited. I think he was active. I think he lived to the point he had a reputation as a good man and as a devout man. You wouldn't get a reputation as a good man if you're just sitting at home all the time waiting on God to do something. He was out in his community. He was doing the things. He was loving people. He was loving his God the way Israelites are called to do, but also loving other people in that way, I have no doubt. He was a righteous and devout man, but he was obedient and active in his faith. Living and leading the Holy Spirit. For believers today, man, the Holy Spirit is living in us, whatever that looks like, whether we believe it a little bit or believe it a lot, and whether it shows up every day or whether He is just such a mystery to us, we're, we're just afraid to even walk in the door with Him because we don't know what's going to happen in all parts in between. But He's in us, and He can lead us. And so those little moments when we turn to a place we weren't going to go and maybe we go there, yeah, sometimes I need to make that turn. Sometimes I need to go there, have that conversation, make that phone call. When that thought comes up, work, you know, act on that. That's within our power, part to do like Simeon did. Live looking. I fully believe that Simeon lived expectantly, in awareness, and in confidence that what God told him was going to come into place. I also feel that he, believed in, that he lived in belief and in trust and faith. How could you not live that way, knowing that when you saw what it was you're looking for, you were going to die. Don't know if it happened the next day. I mean, I, you know, scripture. That, I mean, maybe he killed over going down the steps. I don't know. You know, and we don't get any indication, but we do know he was going to be at peace with the words that he'd received from God at some point, probably in the near future. Right? His life, as he knew it now, was going to end. He reminds me of Enoch in some ways. Just some stuff you go, man. I don't fully understand that. You know? And that's okay. Let's leave that there. Live in obedience and action. Live in the leading of the Spirit. Live looking. Live in belief and trust and faith. Here's what we do know about Simeon in the midst of this. He doesn't question. Doesn't argue. Doesn't second guess. He sees and he knows and he accepts. He didn't see any miracles like a lot of other people. Hey, show me a sign, Jesus, and I'll believe in you. He doesn't see any signs. He doesn't see any wonders. Just, hey, just do that bread fish trick one more time, you know, and then we'll come follow you, right? None of that. He simply saw the baby Jesus. Ashley? His hat's not on because this baby's got one of the most beautiful heads you've ever seen in your life. This is Thatch Henry Walker. I had absolutely nothing to do with him. <laughs> Outside of God's creation, this is what they look like when Russ and Ashley have babies. 
Is that just not freaking awesome? Really? You, man, you're perfect. You played this perfectly with your eyes open. Right? Hang on, we got more people to look. Yeah, what are you looking at? Are you smiling? All right. I don't have any grandkids yet. I just got a whole lot of people in my life that have babies. <laughs> so this is good stuff. Is that not awesome? Man. So yeah, it uh, kind of blows you away that Simeon put something like this in his arms and said, Now I can die in peace. Now my people are saved. Now the redemption of the whole world is here. And you're going, What are you talking about? That little baby can't do anything for himself. That stuff didn't matter. Simeon looked and he saw and he knew that what God said was going to happen, happened. And he was holding him. And it was a name and a face. Man, it was Jesus. Could it be that what you're looking for, could it be that what we're waiting for can be found in Jesus? Man, I know that sounds all churchy. It's like, oh, Jesus is the answer. Man, I, I'm the least likely guy that goes, yeah, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Yeah, right. Talk to too many people that tried to play that card. That card don't play real well. But when I think about who Jesus really is, there weren't a whole lot of other people running up to Mary and Joseph going, that's the Messiah? Whatever. And they're gone, right? Simeon was looking in a way that not everybody else was looking, man. And when he saw something nobody else saw, he just knew. Paul Tillich says it this way. The presence of the Messiah is a mystery. It cannot be said to everybody. It cannot be seen by everybody. But only by those like Simeon who are driven by the Spirit. There's something surprising, unexpected about the appearance of salvation something which contradicts pious opinions and intellectual demands. The mystery of salvation is the mystery of a child. So it was anticipated by Isaiah and other writers and poets throughout history by the doctrines of mysteries and by the rites of those who celebrated the birth of the new eon. They all felt, as did the early Christians, that the event of salvation is the birth of a child. A child is real and not yet real. It is in history and not yet historical. Its nature is visible and invisible. It is here and not yet here. And just this is the character of salvation. Salvation has the nature of a child. As Christendom remembers every year in the most impressive of its festivals, the child Jesus, so salvation, however visible it may be, remains always also invisible. He who wants a salvation which is only visible cannot see the divine child in the manger as he cannot see the divinity of the man on the cross and the paradoxical way of all divine acting. Salvation is a child, and when it grows up, it is crucified. Only he who can see power under weakness, the whole under the fragment, victory under defeat, glory under suffering, innocence under guilt, sanctity under sin, life under death can say, My eyes have seen your salvation. I hate to give you up, but I've got to give you up. There you are. You played your part perfectly. <laughs> so about a week later, uh, I and one of my younger sons, um, middle son, not Jeremiah, um, got some tools, got in my truck, drove out to Lambert's junkyard. Sure enough, true to his word, uh, Brian had taken a 
thing that moves cars, and it shoved a whole bunch of them out of the way so we could drive right to the old bus. Pulled extension cords out there for us, said, let us know if you need anything, right? Now, when I think about um, going out to get that bus, and I think about, you know, and I remember thinking at the end, why in the world does God care or would want us to have that, that particular silly bus just to put it in a room kind of as a decoration uh, to, to teach from, you know? Maybe he cared that much about a bunch of teenagers that got together every week just to worship him. I don't know. And it's really cool, man, because I went and found a bus seat for it. The steering wheel was still on it. And we hooked up where all the lights worked. It was pretty slick. You could put the blinker on. You, could, you know, It was neat. And we built this thing, and it was fun. And, and uh, you can ask Adam what ended up <laughs> what they ended up doing with the bus after a couple of years. But when I think about that bus, and it was a, I mean, it was a cool thing that happened to me. I'll never forget it, obviously. Um, I, don't, I don't think about the bus for very long. I don't think about going to, to do any of that stuff. I think about um, a guy named Caleb that said, hey, you need some help going to get the bus. I'm like, yeah, man, come on out. Didn't know him. I knew of him. We'd never had a conversation that I remembered. And I said, yeah, and he liked tools, and he liked to work and that type of stuff, you know. And um, so sure enough, so we, we spent about half a day and five or six hours going through hacksaw blades and reciprocating saw blades, and we cut the front of that turkey off, you know. Big old tour bus, man, you know, just hacking away at it. And there's more to the what went on that day, but, um, you know, talking about how we're going to do it, led into talking about what does he do, and found out he was a student, and he asked what I did, and I started to get his story and what he was wanting to do. And, you know, so by lunchtime, then we're talking about, you know, more family things and deep things and things of God. So by about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm saying, you need to come work for me full time. He's like, well, I'm a student. I said, well, okay, whenever, you know, what time you work. So he started working for me part time, right, by the end of the day. Then we got the bus off and threw it on the trailer he had brought and carted it away. And it did become a, you know, a spot to worship from. And, you know, I think about that story and I think about um, what that looks like. I, you know, I think about, I think about Caleb Moore. Because in the past eight or nine years, there have been people. <clears throat> sorry. There's been people that have been Jesus to me. He's at the top of the list. So what was just an excursion to go get an object, something I was looking for, something I was waiting to find, became a person that became Jesus to me. So when I say, could it be that what you're looking for, could it be that what you're waiting on might be Jesus? And I'm telling you, look around at the people you're in community with, that when you call, they answer the phone. That when you say, I need, they say, how much? That when you just say, just be here, they are? That's Jesus. Yeah, we're waiting on Messiah. Yeah, we're looking for the, to seek the peace of this city that lately it seems like has tried real hard to be unpeaceful. We've got all that going on. But man, I'm telling you, in the same way that Simeon was looking and waiting and he knew when he saw that baby, right? As we look and as we wait, Jesus is there. I see him in some of your faces. I 
I'm not sure how God originally set it up, if He wanted it to be this way, but I know that's how it is. That the Jesus that we need, that the Jesus that we're looking for, and the Jesus that we're waiting on, He exists within us for each other. I think that's when God goes, See, Simeon, I told you they found what they were looking for. You know that person. Thank God that we know His Son. Thank God that when we come to this time in our service, it's about just going, God, I ain't got much. What I've got, I'm bringing to you. You know? And He says, cool, come on up to the table. And as I told Linda Hamilton before the service tonight, she said, you got everything you need? I said, you know what's cool about this prayer time before the service is? It's the mortar that fills in between all the bricks. I said, I got some bricks. just fills it all in. Man, that, that's what's about to happen. <laughs> Bring what you got. Bring your bricks. Let me just kind of fill that stuff in. Come looking. Come waiting. Come and meet Jesus.